I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, if you are a customer of AT&T Wireless, I have a special alert for you you need to hear and pay attention to and maybe act on. And coming up later yet, I want to talk about spending for Christmas. What's really important at Christmas time. We're going to discuss that later. But right now, I want to talk about a story that made quite the rounds over the last several days about a Waffle House that only one employee showed up for a particular shift. And what happened next, this was in Birmingham, Alabama, And if you're not familiar with Waffle House, it's been around since, I think, the early 1950s, maybe. And they are uh, what used to be referred to as greasy spoons. That you go in and there's a cook behind the counter and orders are shouted out to the cook by the servers. and, um, And you get... Mostly breakfast foods, but they have other foods as well, and they're open around the clock. So this Waffle House in Alabama, nobody shows up to work except this one poor person, this cook, and it's got all these customers who've come in, and so there's nobody to take orders, there's nobody to clean dishes, nobody to ring up sales, nothing. So, shockingly, a number of the customers came to the other side of the counter and either started taking orders and shouting them out. They had to be regulars that they knew how you call out orders. Uh, One guy came over and washed all the dishes. And the customers basically, at no pay, ran the Waffle House with just the one employee, the cook. Waffle House got a lot of unwelcome publicity about this, but did really the right thing. They took it in the spirit intended, and they uh, admitted what happened with people not showing up to work and acknowledged that customers bus tables, wash the dishes, they did everything, and they said, You know, we'd love for these people to fill out applications (laughs) and come to work. But what does that entail? Well, ironically enough, the day before this happened, the Wall Street Journal ran a story about how the best management training you could have as a college student who wishes to become a corporate management type someday is go work in a Waffle House and learn what goes on and how accountability works in a business and all the rest. And they talk about how managers do everything. I mean, literally everything in the store. They cook, they clean, they wait tables. If they need to, they clean the toilets. Whatever needs doing. And so all the employees know they're all in it together. It's not some manager who's never done it and is clueless and all that. They're all part of the system And the managers make really good money. I mean, they stay at it. They're going to 
make about $115,000 a year managing a Waffle House. But again, it's not for the faint of heart. Pays a lot more than radio pays, doesn't it? Anyway, I'm not applying for that job. I've only been a waiter in restaurants for charitable events. And you know what I learned? I am the world's worst waiter. I could not remember when I'd take somebody's order at a fundraiser, I couldn't remember between the table and the terminal where you input the order what I'd just been told. So then very quickly I learned I'm not one of those people who can take an order without a pad. Had to write them down. Then I'd come back and have to ask questions. I mean, it's hard work that I am incapable of. Spencer's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Spencer. How are you doing? Hey, good, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You were in a pickle with an apartment complex. And That's, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate these calls like yours because you got these huge companies that use their power to really squash you like a bug. So tell me what they're doing to you. Great. So, yeah, in, uh, in October of 2018, my wife and I moved into this apartment. We signed a one-year uh, lease. And, uh, you know, a year later, we decided to, uh, so just this past October, we decided to move to a different apartment. And we deposited about, you know, just over $1,000 for our security deposit, expecting to get you know, all, if not most of it back. And in fact, we didn't get any of it back and we owed $63. And uh, so I went in and, and talked to the management and they said, well, um, you know, there's some, some damage on the carpet. They showed a picture of, you know, a big stain in the carpet. And that stain specifically, when we first moved in, my wife had spoken to the management in person and over the phone. And, and told them about the stain, and they called, or sorry, they sent someone to come and clean it again. And uh, and so I didn't have any physical evidence that we had we had you know contacted uh, the management company to uh, come out and clean the stain. So you have no and, move-in report at all. That was there a formal move-out report they sent you? Telling you they were billing you a thousand sixty-three dollars for damage to the apartment. Yeah. So when we first moved in, we did fill out a move-in report, um, and I I can't remember if we had written it on on that sheet or not. This about the same. Okay. Now, Before we late- go forward, I need to say something, Spencer. That you've got everybody's attention who's ever rented or is renting an apartment. And today we have a capability that we did not have in the past, and that is when you move into an apartment, you shoot video of that apartment with your phone, download the uh, Google Photos app, which provides unlimited free storage for life, and you do a walk and talk of the apartment, of everything in it, anything that needs addressing, anything that's broken, anything that's damaged, so you have a true video record of what the place was like the day you're moving in, and then you shoot the same equivalent video when you move out so that later 
if they allege damage that wasn't actually there when you moved out, you have that as well. In addition, in many states, there is a legal procedure that requires they do a formal move-in inspection and move-out inspection. And if those things are not done properly, their rights to seize security deposit money may be greatly limited. Right. And, and, and so in late 2018, they switched management companies. Oh, is so, there a good part so, to this story? This is terrible. <laughs> so I, I asked him, I said, well, can you show me my uh, move-in damage report? And let me see if I put the, the um, if I made note about the carpet stain. They said, well, we don't have that. The company didn't turn it over to us that we, we purchased the apartment complex from. All right. So I now said, I, well, know, I know problem. the things you should do. All right. So most states have some version of a landlord-tenant handbook that states what your rights are as a tenant in your state. And uh-huh. just go online and with a Google search or whatever you use, do a landlord-tenant uh, rules or handbook, try both as a search, with your mm-hmm. state name. And if there is an online handbook published by, typically it'll be a state agency, there will be a very specific section on what your rights are about security deposit. Mm-hmm. But at as a minimum, what you do is you send them a letter by certified mail uh, requiring the, you don't demand it, requiring the return of your security deposit, and you lay out the reasons. And be very okay. clear that that was damaged there when you moved in. It was noted by the management company at the time. The management company no longer is there. They need to return your security deposit to you within 10 days. They will ignore it, likely, and then you go sue them in small claims court in the county where the apartment complex is located is how you would do it in most states. Okay. Filing fees will be very low. You won't need a lawyer. Um, Usually, apartment complexes are used to being in court to sue tenants. This is the other way around. And they will probably offer you some kind of accommodation prior to your court date or at the court date. Okay. And just know forever forward this apartment you're moving into next? Are you moving into an apartment next to your own home? Uh, an apartment, yeah. Video, t- video, it, <laughs> video it just like I talked about. Uh, note everything on that move-in report. Note everything on the move-out report. Keep copies of that stuff. And if you tend to lose papers like that, take a picture of the move-in and move-out report on your phone. Yeah. Keep where you have a digital record of it, because especially when apartment complexes change hands, the records usually don't travel with that change of hands. And again, in many states, that alone is a defense in your favor in the event an apartment complex is trying to abscond with your security deposit. Please follow through and let me know how you do, especially if you end up in small claims court. Sarah is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sarah. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Sarah. You have a question for me about uh, terrible things banks do. <laughs> that is right. One of many that you receive on a daily basis. Um, yeah, what I'm looking for, is there a bank that is truly fee-free? 
And the one fee that I would love to avoid, like the plague, is the overdraft protection, quote unquote. Um, I do bank with a traditional bank, and I turned off the protection on my account, which is fine. It declines my card if I do, you know, get into the hole. But where it still seeps through is if I have automatic bill pay, let's say with like a streaming service, for instance, it still applies, well, the company still takes their money and then they tack on the $34 fee for the overdraft. So that's, that's the one area I would love to avoid. All right. So if you, look, if you look at the online banks that advertise so heavily on TV now, Mm-hmm. Virtually not a one charges an overdraft fee. Traditional okay, banks, traditional banks live on those overdraft fees, and they will just eat you up. And they'll take a three dollar overage and charge you thirty five dollars for it. Mm-hmm. And they're so excited that they ripped you off for something that their cost is, if anything, a couple of pennies. So that's right. why the online banks know that that's such a pain point for you as a consumer and so they don't even think about charging those overdraft fees okay which is weird you think when you turn off the so-called protection right it would just block anything it'll do it it'll do it for all the disgusting practices of the banks where they try to sell you overdraft as if it's some great benefit and it really is about the debit card Mm-hmm. and turning the debit card into a massive profit center. And so they'll approve your debit card over and over again when they know there's no funds in your account so they can hit you repeatedly with the massive overage charges, overdraft charges. So I've talked about Chime Bank before. They don't charge them. Bluebird doesn't charge them. But look at the online banks that you see advertised. You'll see over and over again they don't charge the overdraft fees. And the traditional banks are basically dinosaurs. And so right. they've got all these high-cost branches, all these inefficient old computer networks. And so they are taking advantage of you because of their inefficiencies and ripping you off with things like the overdraft fees, monthly fees, no meaningful interest on your savings. They should have no role or place in your life. The other thing you should consider is paying any automatic debit you have right now. Instead, pay it on a credit card. That way you never have to worry about an overdraft with a monthly automatic billing like for a streaming service. If you're a customer of AT&T Wireless, I need to make you aware of something. I've been sharing with you the various problems AT&T as a company is having because of this gigantic debt load the company is carrying and the failed purchase of DirecTV that has costing them a zillion dollars. So AT&T loyal customers are finding that bills of all different types are going up. If you are a customer of AT&T Wireless, a lot of people who have been longtime loyalists that were on what are referred to often as grandfathered plans are suddenly being moved to more expensive plans, not being told, and seeing their rates go up. There have been multiple media reports about an AT&T basically said, yeah, that's an increase. you got to pay it. No, you don't. No, you don't. 
as AT&T struggles because of its financial problems, you don't have to suffer in the wallet. There are many, many uh, deals available for monthly cell phone plans that today are potentially a lot cheaper with other players in the industry than they are with AT&T. And I've talked recently about the great deals available from Verizon's discount operator Visible, the deals available from T-Mobile, especially for anybody who's 55 years old or older or has prior military or works in any kind of direct public safety work. So look at the alternatives. Don't feel like you're a sitting duck for AT&T's own personal financial problems. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where we're getting you ready night and day for the best deals for Christmas shopping and beyond. And it's ironic that I want to talk about something that is the counterpoint to the way historically we've been in the United States about shopping for Christmas. And I want to say to you that if money is tight for you this Christmas shopping season, which it is for uh, roughly a little bit more than half of Americans, based on survey data, money is really, really tight. I ask you, please, before you feel out of obligation that you need to go spend money buying all these gifts for family, maybe friends, that why don't you think of other things you could do than spending yourself into oblivion? I don't care what kind of deal I have for you today on a computer for $99 or a big screen TV for $150 or whatever. I don't, I mean, forget all that. If money is really, really tight and think about what people really most cherish with you and about you, hopefully it's time with you. Experiences you can do together that don't have to cost any money or a lot of money. Something you do for a loved one that's something they'll really appreciate. Maybe you bake them their favorite whatever instead of feeling like you got to go out and spend money on a gift that the money's not really there for. And if you're a longtime listener, you know how much I don't want you to spend yourself into debt that you're going to take months in 2020 to pay off. I don't want you doing that. So just think about that idea of coming up with a different strategy if money already is in short supply. If you have young kids, buy for them, but don't buy for anybody else. Forget the adults. Because whatever you buy for the adults, it's not going to fit, not going to be what they actually wanted, whatever. Just convince yourself of that. Just buy for the little kids. Uh, One other thing is um, this Christmas season, you're going to see a lot of deals that are going to be sold online. 
Um, could be Craigslist, could be eBay, could be the Facebook marketplace, could be Amazon's marketplace. And a lot of those items may be counterfeit, been a massive problem on Amazon's marketplace, which is the third-party sellers, which are most of what's on Amazon. And then a lot of stuff you're going to see on eBay or Craigslist is stuff that may have already been recalled. And on Facebook's marketplace, it can be either of those things heavily. So when you see something that's a just tremendous deal, and it's just so much cheaper than you see elsewhere, really think it through. And if it's new inbox electronics from who knows who seller, and it's listed for so much less money than you see anywhere else even on sale, know that there's a mm, decent possibility that you might be buying stolen goods. So, gosh, that was a real downer, wasn't it? I just want you to be careful that bargains, no matter how cheap they are, may not be worth that cheapness. And just use your common sense. Rick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rick. How can I be of service to you today? Well, I have a question about uh, credit inquiries. My wife is going to retire soon, and I'm already retired. And we're using a strategy where we're setting aside three to four years of basic living expenses. That's years, not months. In the event of a market downturn so that we don't have to divest uh, stock-type investments, in a down market and we're saving that in an online savings uh, account but per your recommendation I was looking for a uh, CD with a good rate that I could put part of it in and we found uh, an online credit union that is paying uh, three and a quarter percent for a three-year CD three and a quarter percent Yes, amazing. Wow. Does it carry NCUA insurance? It does. Okay. NCUA, for people who aren't aware, that's the federal equivalent for credit unions of FDIC. So that is really, by today's standards, that's wonderful. It is. Wow. What has you troubled about that? Because that sounds so much better than what I've been quoting to people. Oh, it's wonderful, and they've been very helpful on the phone as well. When I applied for the account, though, they required that I unlock my credit uh, or unfreeze or thaw my credit reports in order to open the accounts, which kind of surprised me. And then later I later saw that I had a uh, credit inquiry reported to me by our credit monitoring, and I'm wondering... Is that a hard inquiry, and is it going to affect our over 800 credit scores? It should have no effect. That should be what's known as a soft hit. It, it should not in any way be you were not doing an application for credit. If somebody at the credit union put it through the wrong way, that could happen. But you'd see that uh, within 30 days with a decline in your credit score. The decline in your score would be somewhere around 12 to 15 points. Oh, that's good to know. So, it, but it should be zero. 
because an inquiry by, let's say, an insurer that you want to get insurance from or from a bank or credit union for opening a savings account or opening a checking account, anything where you're not doing an actual application for credit is known as a soft inquiry or soft hit and does not have an effect on your score. So don't fret about that. And thank you so much for the information for your fellow listener. They should really be out there looking for better deals on CDs. And I'm going to see if there's any one- and two-year CDs that I should be mentioning to people in addition to the three-year you found at three and a quarter that I should tell people to look harder to find better rates. Tom is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? Hello, Clark. I'm great. Um, I've got a question for you. I've been a customer of Schwab and Fidelity for years, and I just got the green light from Kim to ask about another company I've used for decades, and that is Ameritrade. Um, their fees, of, well, all three, the fees of all three appear to be very similar. Um, and my question for you is, why has Ameritrade never made your short list of eligible dog names? Okay. Why is it not one of my, well, actually, it's one of my favorite children. Favorite children. I'm calling my kids dogs. What are you thinking? Okay. So anyway, so you don't hear me talk about TD Ameritrade. You don't hear me talk about E-Trade because I think of those two, rightly or wrongly, as being more for someone who is an independent trader. Where I think of Schwab, Vanguard, and Fidelity being for people who need some guidance, need some amount of advice, uh, and need more, um, you know, with any of them, you can have significant hand-holding to minor hand-holding, where TD Ameritrade and E-Trade really as big players have been much more for an independent-oriented investor, sometimes doing more sophisticated kind of investing in individual stocks. Okay. So that's well, it. I, I don't have anything bad to say well, what, about either one. I understand. What really sparked my, me to ask the question is America just went to free commission, free trades, which is you, you've talked about some companies that did that. And um, that, that really made me check on the fees of all three to see what the differences are. Yeah, so and the, the pricing, I mean, whoever knew, you know, when Charles Schwab started, do you know that the commissions before Schwab got going and terrified the cozy insular club of stock trading, which I guess was in the 1970s, I guess, that if you were to go buy or sell shares of stock, one trade... I'm guessing a hundred dollars. How about four hundred? And if you inflation adjust it, you might be talking a thousand dollars for a trade. Schwab, Chuck Schwab, is the guy who changed the entire industry. And then when the internet came along so much later, that was the platform that took commissions down, down, down. But the funny thing that cozy Wall Street crowd that Schwab took on, they still charge. Huge fees to people, what I refer to as the full commission stockbrokers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, TD Ameritrade and E-Trade is two 
big discounters that I really don't mention are in the same category of pricing as you're going to find with Schwab, Fidelity, and Vanguard. Well, great. Great information. I appreciate you confirming what I found out. Absolutely. And do you know what Charles Schwab was able to do with all the discounting he's done? What has he been able to Become incredibly wealthy himself. Yeah. And you know what? That's great. You know, he changed an industry. He offered a much better deal to consumers. And I've seen, I've not been in it, but I've seen the house he has in Hawaii. I don't know if he still has that house. It's one of the most beautiful spreads in the entire Hawaiian Islands, and good for him. Lisa's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Clark. I've been listening to you about a year or so and learned so much, so thank you. Absolutely, and thank you for joining us. Oh, no problem. So, you know, I'm I'm 46 years old, um, single. Um, I have about 700000 in my 401k with a company I've been with for over 20 years. So I do the 18%, I max out, and I put in... um, Wait, 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 wait. wait. You ran through that so quick. Do you realize how fantastic you're doing with your money? (laughs) Well, I started working for the same company, a large company, in uh, when I was like 23 years old, and they used to do a lot of profit sharing, so they would put money into my 401k. I think that that helped a lot, and I always saved a lot. And Like you always say, compounding interest, right? So. Yeah, you, you're getting your money to double every so many years. Could be eight, nine, ten years. And the benefit to the, for you when you do decide to bag work is enormous. Yeah, I tell everyone, young people I know, like don't, you know, just you won't miss it. Put the max in. But um, my question to you, you had mentioned in the, since I've been listening to you that a lot of companies offer a Roth uh, 401k now. So I try not to look at my 401k except for allocations, but I did notice that um, my company offers that a Roth IRA. I'm in a traditional, I'm sorry, a Roth 401k. 401k yeah. Um, yeah. I'm in a traditional 401k with my company and you know, so my two, my two questions are, should I start contributing to the Roth 401k? And secondly, this might be a stupid question, but should I transfer my money that I have into the Roth 401k? No, leave, what, you, leave what you've got as yeah. it is in traditional. Yep. Um, can mm-hmm. I ask what kind of annual income you have? It varies from like 95 to 120. All right. So in that income range, you want to go all in, all Roth uh, 401k. Going forward. Yeah, because... Going forward. Right, because tax rates are so low now compared to historical numbers, and yep. you're in an income bracket where the tax rates are unusually favorable, and it's at a time we're running trillion-dollar annual budget deficits. And so what it means is that boomerangs, because we can't afford these deficits... And taxes in the future will be higher than they are now, not where they are now or lower. So it's to your advantage to pay the tax up front like you would with a Roth Roth 401k. And then you have this added benefit in retirement, and then you've got a pile of pre-tax money and a pile of post-tax money, which is really a great advantage for you because in retirement, you will be able to do income tax planning where you'll be able to decide, well, this year, am I better off taking more of the money from the pre-tax or more of the money from post-tax? 
so that you don't push yourself into like a higher tax bracket each year and you get that flexibility by doing the mix. And you've made all this possible because you've been saving money half of your life and good for you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lon is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lon. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. So you got people that are constantly uh, badgering you to sell them your home. Tell me about that. Well, so I I get these random texts, Mm -hmm. and uh, they come into my phone as an in-state number, uh, as a local number, and... um, but I can tell, I, I don't think it's local, but the, the language they use in them, make them makes it sound like they're not uh, well-versed in English. But they come in and they have my name and the exact address of my home, and then they use my, uh, and then they've, they've got my cell number. So I'm wondering, how, how do they get all that information pulled oh, in together? Go look, and, go look for information. Me. Go look for information on yourself online. Uh-huh. And um, there are a number of sites where you can see so much stuff about yourself. You're going to be like, no way. How is this yeah, all that here? I'll be surprised. <laughs> you, will be, you will be shocked that how much detail is out there about you. So there are a lot of legitimate people out there who have been going to these Dare to be Rich roadshows about buying people's homes, uh, typically for cash. And those are legit that are coming often by postcard or letter. These texts, though, I'm as suspicious of as you are, and uh, I would not pay any attention to any of them and know that the privacy you might think you have doesn't exist today, unfortunately, and your phone number, your address, personal information about you is nauseatingly available we should have more right to privacy in the united states like people do in other countries you're listening to the clark howard show thanks for joining us today the clark howard show is produced by kim drobes joel larsgaard deborah reese and jim ayers and remember 24 hours a day we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com